afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are at, I don't know, a big pen and a napkin podcast. We've reached number 20 here. We're going to change it up today. We are going to have a roundtable discussion with three of the best coaches in the state of Nebraska and then one idiot host here. So uh, let's see where this all takes us here tonight. Really excited to be here with Kelly Flynn of Fremont High School. Kelly, you, you're you're setting a record. You have now have the most appearances ever on a pen and a napkin podcast. Oh, that's good to be here again. Yeah, all right. John O'Connor from Bennington High School and Jerome Skirdla from Gretna High School. So we are really excited to get this going here tonight. Uh, before we get going, we are actually taping this on a Sunday evening at Paisan's Pizzeria here in West Omaha. So I want to give a, a shout out to Matt Verzal and Paisan's Pizzeria, which is located at 15605 West Center Road at a corner of 156th and West Center. Uh, it is a full, uh, it is a New York style thin crust pizza pizzeria, old school. You know, if you can't go to New York, bring New York to you here in West Omaha. Uh, phone number here, 402-991-7437. Or you can order or check things out at Paisons. That's P-I-E-Z-O-N-S dot com. It is dine-in or carry-out. They open at 11 every morning. They close at 10 o'clock every night, seven days a week. So don't hesitate to come on in to Paisons Pizzeria. Uh if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, follow us on a pen and a napkin. We try to put daily coaching tidbits on there, a pen and a napkin. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download it and rate it. Five stars, forward it out uh, to, to anybody you want to. Uh, we just want to help out people. I got a guy in the last couple of days in England that has listened to like 10 podcasts in the last 24 hours. So it's crazy. I mean, people have listened in Bangladesh and, and uh, Albania and things like that so it's just it's it's kind of weird how the how small the world is so uh and obviously if you have any questions if you have any comments email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com uh don't hesitate to reach out to us questions comments any suggestions that you might have anything you want us to address so i'm sitting here with a guy who's won 11 state championships sitting here with a guy that's won three state championships well over 500 wins I'm sitting here with a guy who has the number two ranked team in the state right now, cruising along at 13 and one, and I beat all your asses. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, three, you know, four great co- or three great coaches and one idiot host here. So uh, I want to thank you guys for coming out here tonight. Uh, I kind of wanted to do this. Kind of been in the back of my mind for few weeks and uh, finally have made enough money to go out and buy some headsets and some technology and then it took me a while to figure it out but I just can't thank you guys enough for coming out here tonight and, and joining me and talking some hoops here so thanks so much to you thanks guys for, for, having for, for having us yeah so um, we would be remiss if we if we you know it's it's kind of a somber day in the world of basketball uh, we're taping this on what's the date 26th um, and it is obviously kind of a, a, a somber day in basketball with the, with the passing of, of Kobe Bryant. Uh, found out that happened this morning out in California. Um, obviously a basketball icon. Um, a lot of people loved him. A lot of people didn't care for him too much. Um, just kind of some initial thoughts on, on Kobe Bryant and his influence, his influence on the game, some of the things that maybe you guys have used in your coaching careers uh, to to 
implement his attitude or his mentality or whatever it may be with your teams. So uh, just let it rip. Go I would ahead, just Kelly. say, uh, yeah, I just happened to watch the Lakers last night and was pretty impressed as LeBron was uh, passing Kobe and they were talking a lot about his previous uh, records and, and all the things that he had done and accomplished and and uh, a fam- family man and, and to actually have a daughter in the helicopter with him as well. Oh, that's really, so really tragic. Really I mean, it was tragic, tragic enough and then you hear that, right. yeah. yeah it's very unfortunate, but yeah. uh, he was a great, great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's certainly going to have or has had a, such an impact on the world of basketball when he came in he was youngest player and you see how many now young players go in there and the large impact that's had on basketball in college and in mm-hmm. pro mm-hmm. Yep. yeah i you know i kind of grew up knowing that michael jordan was was the the best player you know throughout history but i got to watch where i really started to love the game of basketball was kind of in kobe's era where he was winning the championships with the lakers so. yeah and yeah. so i grew up with almost thinking you know him as at least the best player in the league at the time, and definitely competing with Michael Jordan as kind of the the face and, and name of the NBA. So, what what are some what are some things you know you know I guess with YouTube and that type of stuff, our you, the players you guys are coaching right now have some recollections of him and some when they were junior high. I think we were talking is he's been out for five years ish. You know what are some things that you guys can you know. Uh, you know, as it's going to come up here the next couple of days and practices and stuff like that, that you could say, yeah, you know, this is something that, that you can take from him as a player, you know, and, and what he did as a player. I think the word compete comes to mind. It, it, he just played very, very hard at all times. Um, he took, nowadays you hear a lot about um, players, you know, not playing back-to-back games and stuff like that. He played Every night, guarded sometimes the other team's best player. Most of the time, Most yeah. of the time, guarded yeah. the other team's best player was also the focus of the offense. For the, I mean, so I just, the word compete comes to mind when I think of him and, and watching him play. Yeah. I think, too, uh, anytime you see a player that, that scores like he did and then know that they're going to get the other team's attention and, and best defensive player on him and you have to still go out and score 20, 30, and even 80 at yeah. one time in a game. It's yeah. just it's just crazy to, to think of those numbers when, when the other team is trying to shut you down and you still go out and score like that. Yeah. I always admire a player like that because uh, not only are they great, but they make the players around them so much better. Yeah. And he was definitely a player that did that. I mean, you, you'll see a lot about his scoring, but you'll also uh, see a lot about the passing he did and uh, his defense ever, like you talk, just how he brought, built the whole team up. Yeah. I think I saw, you know, with all the banners and stuff, or I think that's what they call it on the TV, you know, he was all defense first team nine times or something, some crazy number like that, you know. So, I mean, it's just, you know, absolutely amazing the way, you know, I think, John, you know, John, you said it really well, you know, he competed at everything that he did. But, you know, at the same time, he almost competed to the point where he alienated a lot of people absolutely. as well, too, you know. So how do you find that, how do you find that balance, you know? You know, as a coach, if you had a if you had a kid like that, how would you how would you how would you? I mean, maybe not as talented as Kobe Bryant, <laughs> but just with that that you know, almost wanting to win too badly. You know, how do you, how do you maybe gear that down a little bit? Well, I think you have to focus on their leadership that they bring on the court and in practice. You want that intensity, you want that effort, and so when they bring it in practice, that's great. But there are also times where they have to understand that not every player is going to perform to the level they can, and so trying to get them to be able to be 
um, not as critical of other players, but more supportive. And and the same thing I just talked about, where they, I always challenge a player to make the players around them better. Yeah. And so you get a player like that in high school who's very talented in that. A lot of times they want to do it all themselves, and and our, our folks is again. I talk about Michael Jordan, and and in uh, four of his uh, championships he made a pass to a player that made the shot at the end he didn't make the shot at the end and and that was something i always bring up to players that you know you you can be the best player but again a lot of times you're going to need your teammates to help carry you yeah yeah and i think too as far as uh with his work ethic i think as coaches you know anytime you have your best players as your hardest workers it it makes your job a lot easier absolutely And, and like jerome said you know bringing other players along I think sometimes just with a, a work ethic and going out there every day and working their tail off, um, I think that can that can also make the other players, if, if it's a wind sprint, you know, just trying to keep up, or if it's a defensive pressure drill, just trying to handle the ball against that type of pressure, uh, I think it does just make everybody step up their game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I would agree. When yeah. your, your best player is your hardest worker, like you said, it, yeah. it goes a long ways. Yeah. Well, you know, for what it's worth, out here in West Omaha, you know, Vanessa Bryant and the and, and her three young children now, you know, I mean, all three of us are fathers, and, you know, it would be hard enough for us to lose our spouses, and then, you know, in the same accident, you lose, you, you lose, you know, a child. I, I just can't imagine what that's like for her on, on a human level, and, and one of the things I put out there on social media today was, you know, just now she has to play this out in front of the whole world, you know, and she's pretty private, it sounds like, from, from everything that you've, that you've read. So, you know, just for what it's worth, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to her and, and her young children and those those daughters and, and uh, just everything that they're going to have to deal with here, not only in the next few days with the, with the, with the media attention, but it's going to carry over into months and years that they're going to have to deal with all that. So, um, all right. I, I kind of wanted to start out here. Um, this is what I planned on starting out with. Um, all three of you guys are kind of at a different point in your season uh, w- w- with things uh, relative. You know, Jerome, you guys kind of started out a little bit slow. You had some injuries. You had a lot of injuries last year that, that really kind of, um, you know, hampered the, the progress that you made. You know, we kind of talked uh, last season about how much that hurt your team. and uh, But, it, you know, looks like things are kind of starting to fall into place and, and, and the team's getting a a little bit better, a little bit better, uh, starting to pick up some wins here as the season chugs along. You know, John, you, you kind of knew that you guys had a chance to be pretty good this year, uh, but maybe you might have even exceeded a little bit of, of the expectations uh, of things. And then, you know, Kelly, you guys had uh, a lot of expectations, but you still have a very young team altogether. Um, and and you've dropped, you're having a great year, but still dropped maybe a game or two that, God, you wish you had that one back mm, yeah, type of a thing. Definitely. You know, so, um, you know, I kind of wanted to, to just kind of go around the table here. And, and, and I, I just kind of see you guys in, in three different places you know and and we have coaches that are that are that are kind of getting the train going here like you guys are jerome uh john you guys have been off to an awesome start number one seed in the conference tournament next week congratulations by the way uh you know and kelly with 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 your season and dropping a couple games like i said wish you had back just kind of talk about the way your season has progressed and and you know, we have coaches that are at all different levels and all three of your levels that you guys are at with your own individual teams. How have you kind of coached your team through the through to this to this point? Uh, what's been the the message? How have you kind of tried to, to coach them through that type of stuff? Does that question 
makes sense, guys. You know, uh, just kind of what I want to go with that. So go ahead and go ahead and start, Jerome, since you're to the right here. Yeah, we. Uh, uh, I felt we started off with a little bit of a hangover from last year. Last year we had the injuries and and struggled some early, losing three of our starters for majority and actually four at one point. Uh-huh. Uh, started the season and and uh, I was talking when we went into. I was watching a little bit of last year's uh, film, and there, and at one point, we had eight players sitting on the sideline injured on there. It was just one of those things where you just, you know, that. Um, so I knew there'd be a little bit of hangover, and yet we knew we had some pretty talented seniors, and so it was going to be a, a challenge of how quick that chemistry or that team would come together on yeah. there. And uh, we kept uh, basically challenging them to come together as a team because uh-huh. we knew the individual talent was there. But you just never know when that chemistry is going to fit to where they start playing, making each other better. The you know the holes more than some of the parts, and um, so and we had some heartbreakers. We lost three overtime games. We lost another game by one point. You know there and in all those games we had opportunities to win. It was just little breakdowns where you have an individual breakdown, offensively or defensively. And uh, we led a team by 17 at half that came back and beat us. We led another team by 13 at half came back and beat us and so those things just still, Murphy's law it, almost yeah well, you kind of feel like that like you're bitten but you uh you know you keep you kind of keep positive with them and uh-huh. that's the one thing we're really trying to try to do is just keep positive and, and uh um they fortunately they've kept working they've kept believing that they could do do it and, and uh i give our seniors credit for that that they have kept positive they've been really good with the whole team and and uh being positive leaders that way and working hard in practice and and uh I think things have turned the corner for us now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you, you, we've got three wins in a row, which again is a big deal. When you went through last year, getting you know getting beat up some, and and all of a sudden get to start now where you're starting to play pretty good, and, and so we'll see where it goes. But so far, I've been uh, pleased that they're. It's nice to see things turn because yeah. you know they're so. Yeah, and and not only not only did you struggle last year, but you had this huge jump from going from Class B to Class A. Yeah. You know. And, and for anybody out there, you know, just, you know, that's listening, that's kind of going through that same type of transition where you're making a jump from from a smaller class to a bigger class. You know, how 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 did you guys handle that? I mean, it's a totally new schedule. It's a totally, I mean, you guys are in the Eastern Midlands yeah. forever, you know. And in Class A, and I'm sure Kelly can from this, there, there's no nights off. I mean, it's really challenging on there. And, and uh, uh, that's, it, it's fun to coach at that level. Um, I always thought when I went from being C going to Class B that the challenging of the coaching was was a big adjustment on there because you had such talented teams and, and better athletes. Mm-hmm. And going to Class A, it's it's even a step up as far as the athleticism mm-hmm. and uh, the level right now in Class A. You know, there's Class A is unbelievable. Thirteen teams I mean, out there that are geez. all really strong teams, yeah. and there's probably eight or nine of them that realistically have a shot at winning it. Yeah. And so when you're playing those and and uh, especially being part of the Metro, you're, it's really a, a challenging yeah. uh, challenging schedule. But it's it's been kind of a fun challenge because you know you when you've coached for so long you look forward to kind of seeing different things and it really made you go back to the you know to researching and finding ways to be successful against these teams so yeah. it's been fun yeah you couldn't just get out the scouting report and <laughs> <laughs> oh here's what plum's gonna yeah, i know yeah. what plum's gonna do all right yeah we're good girls we're good so um john you know like i say you, you had some expectations coming into this year uh 13 and one, you know, best season that school had probably in about a decade or so. Um, so you may have 
exceeded expectations a little bit you know what's been the message you know you know how have you how have you you know you knew you had a chance to be pretty good you, you won 15 games last year gave Elkhorn all they can handle in the district final uh you knew you had a chance uh but how did how did how have you kind of coached this group as you've gone through it sure well first off just sidebar um I am way out of my league here with you three so I just <laughs> want to say thank you guys for uh letting me be a part of this and and to be honest to to help get Bennington where we're at and we still have you know a long a long ways left in this season and, and in, in the program overall but to get to where we are having a little bit of success is because honestly and this is learning from guys like you you know um, being in the EMC with with Gretna and they put it to us a few times and, and we had to say okay what's Gretna so darn good at and, and what makes them so good and we had to learn as we became you know, similar growing from a, a C1 and small community to yep. Class B and growing into the EMC conference, we had to see what what those teams were doing to make them successful, and we had to kind of go through some of those growing pains. So I learned a lot from Coach Skirdla. Um, you know, the name of the the show, a pen and a napkin. Coach Flynn and I, I, I've sat down with him with a pen and a napkin and talked to him about what what were some things that you did so well at South Sioux City. What are some things you're doing at Fremont? Um, that made you so successful. And, and, you know, Coach Plum, obviously, you did the same thing to us a couple times, you know, a few times against each other. Got and lucky. I had to learn. Got lucky. I had, <laughs> had to learn, you know, from, from you guys on on how to be successful. Um, and so the girls get 100% of the credit. They've put in the time. They've put in the effort. Um, it starts with our, our summer stuff. They have great attendance. Um, in the weight room at open gyms uh, they they want to get in the gym and it starts there um, and then it leads into the season and it just kind of rolls um, we just have very competitive girls and, and girls that work hard is that something that you had to sell the kids on or or you know how did you know how did you how did you get them going in that direction I mean part of it is just uh, the, the kids are naturally driven that way sure. but but what did you do to get that summer open gym attendance up summer camp attendance up weight room attendance up you know yeah i think honestly it started um kind of school-wide we started to put a little bit more of an emphasis on um attending the weight room um we've have great strength and conditioning coaches uh for both males and females and it was kind of more of an emphasis saying you know hey if you guys want to be more successful in volleyball in track in football in girls basketball whatever you know, you're going to have to start getting into the weight room. You're going to have to start getting into those open gyms. So uh-huh. um, I think luckily for me, it was an emphasis school-wide where, you know, if you guys want to be good in all of our sports, um, we've got to put more time in in the summer. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so was it something where, like, you and the boys' basketball coach and the wrestling coach and the football coach and soccer, everybody, it was just like this this unified movement that everybody worked together on that with? Yep, absolutely. It was a, uh, a, you know, we sat down as uh, female sports coaches um, and said, you know, we need to put together a workout program, again, with our strength and conditioning coaches and weight room coaches. Um, we need to put together a program that's going to benefit these girls in all of their sports. So it's not just a volleyball workout. It's not just a basketball workout. It's something that's going to make our multiple sport athletes successful all around. Um. Kelly, like I said, you know, you're coming into the year. Um, you got one of the best players in the state on your roster. You got a lot of returning talent. Um, your point guard, like we talked on the, the first pod, if she doesn't tear her ACL, you feel like you're in the state tournament last year. Uh, so, 
you know, but then you know, you go down to Arizona, have a nice run in Arizona. I think he lost. Was it? You went three and one. Yeah, three, three and one. one. Yep, you lost know, in the championship to a really good team that had a six-five um, girl that signed with uh, UConn or being recruited by UConn. And I uh, kind of echo what uh, Jerome said there. You know, as far I mean, I, I didn't realize they had eight eight injured players, but uh, you know, people don't realize that a lot of times how you know important it is to stay healthy and uh and then peak at the right time you know like when you and i were talking i really did feel like we were peaking at the right time last year it was really unfortunate when uh sid galladay uh did uh terry acl um you know a starting point guard and um but i thought we we did uh, battle well uh down the stretch we had some really really close games lost by one uh, in the district final but kind of like jerome said there's seven or eight in class a that have a shot at winning it we really felt like that last year really felt like we were one of those um but we also knew that um uh, some good teams were going to be left out and like northeast were left out yeah. we were left out uh you know it's kind of shaping up like that again this year we're, we're might uh, even be worse this yeah, year yeah, i mean be. to be honest yeah know? it could be and um those couple games that we talked about that we did uh, they did lose um, with uh, Lincoln East and and Lincoln Southwest, you know that we had leads like what Jerome was talking about. Uh, those are probably the most frustrating as a coach, where you're up and you you know it, it comes back to haunt you at different times, where you look at different scenarios that you could have done, should have done. But I, I really do think the the cliche of you either win or you learn, and I do think by uh, having games like that, I know that next day we went back to practice and. and and put some different scenarios together. Up, up six with a minute to go. Down six with a minute to go. You know, with coaching, it's so much psychological. You don't want to act like uh, you're out of it when you're down six, but you also want to act like uh, when you're up six. You know, if you take care of the ball, uh, you, you should be able to win those games. Yeah. And and uh, that part is uh, is frustrating. Knock on wood. Right now, we are we are healthy, and and I think we're going to continue to to get better down the stretch here. I think we we played a lot better this. Uh, this last week, anytime you win games, uh, you feel a lot better. It's amazing how much different confidence can be with a win and a loss. But I think we got back to playing our style, uh, pressuring a lot more and, and getting up tempo, getting back to where we're scoring 60 or 70 points in a game and, and uh, forcing 15, 20 turnovers as opposed to sitting back and, and uh, letting them score at the end yeah. and, and beat you. Yeah. One of the things we talked about on the first pod was – Excuse me, we're eating some fine pizza here from Paisan's Pizzeria, so don't mind us uh, if, if, you, if you hear us in the background, folks. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things we talked about was, you know, one of the things that you struggled, not, not I don't want to say struggle with, but it was like, you know, everything was all new for the kids last year. So you would say koozie layups, and it took you a while, and, and you just couldn't call it out, you just couldn't go with it. Second year now, I'm assuming that everything's running a lot smoother in your practices and, and, and you're able to be probably a little bit more efficient, which then gives you the opportunity to work on that, hey, we're up five with 42 seconds left, our ball, you know, type of a thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so much more comfort zone this year with with different stuff that we uh, implemented last year or different things that we're putting in. Still really trying to get them to buy into the uh, trapping and, and uh, recognizing that and when to trap and, and – when to anticipate and, and, and actually to take chances and go for the steals um, as opposed to letting them catch it and then just playing good defense. But 
Uh, all of that does take a little bit of time, but I think they really are. Uh, they really bought into the up tempo and trying to run the run the court and transition, and, and I love that part of it. And I think we've got a really good group of girls to do that style. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll come back to this season later on down the line here. Um, just kind of want to do some general broad survey stuff while the four of us are sitting here together. Uh, changes to the high school game. Let's say there's if, – if you had one thing you could change to the high school game, you know, and, and all of us have been doing this for a while, you know, what what would one change, What a rule change or the way that the game is played or whatever it might be. It could be uh, transfer rules or, or – uh, I guess tampering would we would we call it that at the high school level? I don't know. Um, you know, just just all those type of things. What you know, if if you had to pick one thing, what would you like to see changed? I myself would like to see a shot clock. I think as far as a rule change, mm-hmm. I think that would uh, would would help the game. Would speed it up a little bit. That would be one thing. Yeah, yeah, but I would see that. Um, the the biggest thing I've seen change the years is the. As teams do more dribble drive on that, uh, the tough part of officiating to call the charge and to call the block, that's still, I think, one of the things. And I don't know how you ever change that, but it is one of the toughest things, I think, in the game right now is that's a difficult call, and it really uh, has changed how you play the game, especially late in the game, and especially the athletes are coming out now. And so that's kind of a uh, something, again, I don't know how you ever change that, but it's... It's uh, certainly impacted the game. Do, do you guys, you know, kind of the the, the analytics and, and with the with the analytics and the way the game's called, uh, 15, 10, 15, heck, even five years ago, you're working on post entries and back to the basket. And, you know, we worked, you know, we worked a lot on our high low game and, and getting post touches and things like that. Uh, now, you spend all that time working on post defense, post offense. Now it's it's more probably you guys spend a lot of time working a lot more on closeouts and keeping the ball out of the paint lane from from paint touches and dribble drives and things like that because of yeah. rule changes like that, don't you think, John? Yeah, I think. I mean, we spend a lot of time when we're talking about scouting reports and things like that. A lot of it is ball screens and dribble drives. You know, ball screens and dribble drives is what a lot of a lot of teams run, um, and we're the same way, really. I mean, we try to do some of the same things, but. Um, you know, as far as other things and, and rule changes and whatnot, I would probably agree that I know the shot clock's been on in the headlines a lot lately, but I think that would make it just a little bit more of a uh, uh, exciting game. Um, mm-hmm. It would it would bring more fast pace to the game, and I think it would reward athleticism and shooting and dribbling. It would just reward the skills of the game if there was a shot clock as well. If you guys are going to put a shot clock in, what would you put it at? I'd be satisfied with the 24-second clock. Yeah. 24-second to 30-second, either one. 30. Yep. Yeah. 30 would be fine. 30 would be fine. All right. Um, what, uh, you know, Kelly and, and Jerome, not to, you know, I don't mean this in a negative connotation, but you guys have done this longer than John and I have. Um, and you've seen a lot of changes. I've seen a lot of changes. John, you've, I'm sure you've seen changes. You know, what are what are some of the biggest challenges that face high school coaches in general? And and I, I'm not you know I you don't need to comment on your own situations or anything like that or bring up anything that's that's happened to you maybe personally, but just in, in general whether whether it's yourself or whether it's it's friends of yours or whoever it may be. What are, what are some of the bigger 
changes that you guys have seen in coaching, um, in, in, in maybe in the last five years, last ten years, throughout your career, that type of thing? Well, the, one thing that I think has changed a lot, and, and uh, you can go 10, 15, but uh, the club sports impact on our players, uh, it gets real difficult this time of year if you've got players that are trying to do the multi-sport uh, right now, especially competing in a club where they're probably practicing, you know, at least one time a week for a couple of three hours, and then a lot of times they have a tournament. And, uh, you know, whether it's in, used to be volleyball and soccer and now it's softball, and you just got a lot of competition out there where I think that really wears on kids, especially when you get in this February mm-hmm. schedule. We end up really cutting our practices back a lot because they're just fatigued. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the past, we would cut it back a little bit, but we just really have to watch out for the athletes to give them that rest, added rest, that we didn't have to. So that's the big impact and one of the things we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would uh, echo that. Uh, and not only do you have some players that are playing softball or volleyball right now during our season, but you also have some that don't go out that could help you. I know we had some players that we were um, planning on that uh, – but it is hard for kids these days now to be a three or four sport athlete, um, you know, even even a, a, a two sport uh, because they do. And even with basketball, we do. A, I mean, there's a lot of club basketball stuff that goes on, too. And that was probably one of the biggest things. Like when John was talking about the summer gym, um, you know, we used to be able to get all of our kids at the summer gym pretty much every day that we'd have it open. And uh, nowadays there's so much of their own club basketball where there's a lot of times where I say, well, if you already got a two-hour practice, you know, you don't have to come to our deal and stuff. But, but it, it is. It's nice when you do have your whole group there. Uh, but so I think they're playing more now, but uh, not so much. Jerome, I remember back in the day when we'd go to those team camps. We'd go to three oh, or four yeah. team camps yeah. in the summertime, <laughs> and and it would be each other's whole teams there. Where yeah. now, I mean, there we only went to one last year and then we went to the Bennington deal and I really like that where we just picked out a day but but when we went to the Elkhorn South one you know you're missing two or three of your players and, yeah. and uh, we're back in the day when you had a team camp everybody was there I mean it yeah. was yeah and you know like the three of us played each other enough as it was and then inevitably we'd go to the Wayne team camp and there'd be Gretna with their full <laughs> squad and us and yep. South Sioux like God and then, and then camps it, and you know then you did a play it's like we play these guys like five times every year we don't so how do you handle how do you handle a kid who uh, coach I want to play basketball I, I like playing basketball but and I know all of us have heard this line I like basketball I want to play basketball but my club coach says that if I don't play this winter, I'm going to fall behind and blah, blah, blah. You know, whether it's you know softball, volleyball, checkers, chess, you know, anything that it could be. You know, as a, as a, as a coach, and, and all three of us are also, edu- or all four of us are all educators, you know, and, and so we're into this for the kids. And... Uh, not to say that club coaches aren't, but uh, how do you handle that conversation? Well, again, I think having been an activity director, you know, and really, really pushing to try to get <clears throat> all the activities and multiple sport athletes, I, I really do try to still encourage them to, to be part of it. Uh, usually I ask, you know, when do you have your club stuff? And a lot of times it's on Wednesday nights or Sundays. And I tell them, you know, we're not going to be practicing on Wednesday nights. We're not going to be practicing on Sunday. 
I tried to talk to some of the softball players about that I really like softball, I really like baseball. You know, if you want to bring your glove and ball, you know, while we're shooting at the end of practice, you can throw on the side. You know, I mean, almost just trying to invite them to, to be part of it, knowing that uh, it's a, it's hard for them, too. I mean, because they're trying to make a commitment. and uh, But but it, I think you're, uh, you know, when you start getting this time of the year now close to the postseason stuff, too, I think that kids that are basketball players really want to focus on that and, and finish strong here. You hope so, anyhow. Yeah. We just yeah. try to make. Go ahead, John. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We just try to make it as positive experience for them in basketball as we can on there, so that that way they will return. We try to get. We really work hard at getting the young players out, and then again, making as positive experience. And in, in some ways, I'd have to say my coaching has changed a little bit because I don't think I was intense as I was four or five years ago on that. Uh, trying to just be more positive, encouraging. And uh, try and do more fun things on there, and more uh, fun things like in practice to keep them involved. Or? In practice yeah. and outside of practice, I mean, you know, we've always done the Nibrera tube trip yeah. with the team, and and try and do more things uh, like thanks that. Thanks for inviting me, by the way. I appreciate that. So. Uh, uh, we try to do things like that. Uh, our girls don't want to see you in a speedo, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> My wife doesn't want to see me in a speedo. <laughs> but no, we. Uh, <laughs> So we try to do that. To try, try to eat my pizza. pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want to. Yeah, yeah, let's let's not let's let's not. You told us at the beginning to keep it PG. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, there, there's an internet meme coming out of that one somewhere. So, but uh, John, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think. I mean, if if a player comes up uh, asking those kinds of questions, my number one, you know hope is that we can make it work you know I want them to to be able to do multiple sports I want them to be able to do basketball and whatever their other passion is and and their other sports um we're very flexible with them because we know the demands on them which I think is you know it's it's borderline unfortunate for them you know because they're just being pulled in in so many different directions not to mention they also have the academic side of things that they need to be oh yeah I gotta go to school yeah yeah yeah. not to mention oh yeah I have a couple hours of homework tonight after my uh, three or four practices that I have to go to. And I just, you know, I feel for them, but I, I also uh, appreciate their willingness to do multiple sports when they are willing to do that. And, uh, you know, if, if they're interested in playing, we're interested in trying to make it work. Um, you know, we we try to tell them that outside of basketball, we're not going to expect you to sacrifice your other seasons for basketball yeah. so we just ask the same during basketball season if you if you're playing multiple sports you know um if you do have club practice after basketball whatever it might be um if there is a conflict during the season we just ask that you pick basketball because yeah. um, if there was a basketball conflict during another season we would we would obviously want them to defer. focus on yeah, yeah to defer to their to their in-season sport um, i think as coaches too i think we're, we're always trying to build the kids up and make them have confidence and uh i know we tell them a lot of times that they're very fortunate to have two sports to choose from like that because there's a lot of kids that don't you know would love to have one much less two and so if they do have a club sport that's trying to get them to play and we're trying to get them to play i think that can be a real compliment to them as an individual Mm -hmm. And, and then and then you know for most of the kids to have the financial freedom to do that as well you know which they're 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 for because it's not cheap you know Mm -hmm. um yeah, one of the things I would tell my kids is I don't care if you're working on your skills during the season. I I played baseball 
not very well, but I, I had a uniform, you know, and that type of thing. I thought you were a pitcher-catcher home run hitter, Marty, is what you told me. <laughs> well, according to the YouTube clips of, you know, um, I'm still picking the splinters out of my butt, you know, so. <laughs> no, um, but, I, I, you know, I would say, hey, whatever the equivalent is of your sport of hitting in the cage, you know, I don't mind if you're, you're working on skill work, but, you know, I, I really discourage you from, you know, we get done on a, like you said, on a Wednesday night and we got a good hour, you know, at this time of the year, you're probably going about an hour and a half, hour 45-ish, you know, depending on the scenario. I really don't want you going another two, two and a half hours going nuts at some other camp. But, you know, if you're going there and you're going in the cage to hit for a half hour, I don't care. You know, that that doesn't bother me. And, and you know, kind of the hard thing for, for us is you can go to your volleyball coach in your building and say, hey, I need this, or you can go to your soccer coach. The, the problem that we run a lot into is all of these kids are serving multiple masters outside of our building that we have no ability to communicate mm-hmm. with. You know, and, and how do you how do you try to work your way around that? You know, I think that's the that's the biggest thing, don't you guys think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, as the season's gone along here, um, and if you want to give credit where credit is due, that would be really good. Uh, what's one or two things that you've seen from guys or gals that you've coached against this year that you're like, ah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I want to. I want to pick that up well you know or i'm gonna i'm gonna use that you know maybe not right now but maybe this summer or next year you know it's too late for us to implement that or whatever it may be but can you guys think of anything that that you've seen that you're like that's that's really good stuff i've always been a fan of out of bounds plays mm-hmm. and so it's been kind of fun watching uh we've kind of gone to a flat one four where you just line up everybody down and watch the different options and we started out with about five options and I was really set that we were only going to have about five options, but as I've watched all these coaches, I've now, I think we're up to 15. <laughs> and uh, But, no, that's kind of one of the things that has been kind of fun is the creativity uh-huh. that the coaches have in getting their players the shots or the uh-huh. what they want there. And so Anybody in particular that you've been really impressed with, Jerome? Um, actually, the one I've watched is not a high school one, but Louisville uh, runs oh, a flat Mack. series. Yeah, that's been uh-huh. real impressive to watch, but... Uh, like I said it's it's more coaches are doing this uncommon, and our boys coach uh, Coach Feekin has been doing it, and so it's been again those are a couple that I've picked up a few plays from. So gotcha, John. Yeah, uh, you know I, X's and O's is a great example of some things that you kind of everything's about beg borrowing and stealing, you know, when it comes to coaching. But we if we see we've done this before where a team has ran a baseline out of bounds on us and scored on it and been like hey that's pretty darn good maybe we should put that in we usually try to nickname it something similar to to you know give credit like you said give credit where credit's due and, it, and the girls usually remember it when that happens yeah um you know we have a a play called kansas where you know you see something that that the kansas jayhawks run you know just things like that where you see something you're like you know that, that's pretty darn good yeah um and so uh, I've I always have watched um, like pregame warmups, and you see teams that they warm up like they're getting ready to go to battle, and they uh-huh. get after it. And some of the warm up things that they do, um, and we've over the years we've tweaked it and implemented different things, like you know uh, different warm up drills to get you ready for the game. Uh-huh. Um, and some teams are you know pretty good at those types of things. We had a. Mark Hagerman at Norris, which we who we all know, 
he had a he had a old out of bounds, and I'm guessing he still runs it where the inbounder curls real tight. Always oh, got a layup or a foul. And we just okay, we're just going to do that, and we're literally going to call it Norris. And so, <laughs> so we're playing Norris. Run Norris, and the Norris kids are looking at us like, "What in the world are you talking about over there?" So, uh, but yeah, exactly that. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, I really think uh, a lot of times you you watch teams that play your style and. Uh, like Lincoln East, I really like the way they press, the way they, yeah, they front do. the, you know, just get after you right out, right on the get go. I mean, you, you made or miss shots, they're they're in your face. And uh, I like the way uh, Millard South also does that. Uh, so we'll take take a little bit of that. We get a chance to play both them and say, you know, we have to be able to play that style down the road. Um, I like a lot of the things Bennington does, boys and girls, with uh, getting kids in the gym and with their feeder program. I, I, I see them do a, a great job with that. Um, I just like watching the game of basketball, too. Um, just the other night watching the Creighton men's, you know, just seeing a a, a post-entry, but the, uh, the the player comes down, sets the screen, just like... So I, I think a lot of times, instead of making a lot of real big changes, is just a little wrinkle, uh, mm-hmm. setting that screen, and then just popping to the elbow. Because uh, we have some players that would rather play outside as opposed to having their back to the basket and I thought that's just a perfect look where you come down set the screen but then pop to that high elbow and it was just a deal that saw uh, watching Creighton do it and thought hey let's let's put that in it's the next day we did talk a little bit about that with our posts and Mm -hmm. and I I, uh, watching the Bennington Blair game earlier in the year uh, seeing some out-of-bounds plays that uh, that hey we could try that I I think as coaches I think we're always learning from each other and 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 just watching and, and seeing some different wrinkles uh like he said about the pregame uh a lot of different times watched a pregame and then came back with that not necessarily put it in our pregame but put it in practice uh just a practice drill a shooting drill uh because you get a lot of shots in a short period of time i like what uh one of the things you've seen and it goes back to kelly's days at south sioux where they had their sting press and it's amazing how many teams now you see are using that half court trap that he used so effectively there and, and uh that's one that you know, as you watch teams in there and, and I see the impact and it goes back to because you hardly ever saw anybody doing it and all of a sudden South Sioux was doing it and killing teams and so then you started to put it in and I know it had a big impact on us when we you know uh, you back both, in 2006 yeah, guys, yeah. when we used that and so yeah both you guys owe me a lot of time in my life preparing for that <laughs> stupid half court trap you know but um <laughs> what uh and, and don't be modest I, I in, in all sincerity, I, I don't be modest, all right? If you had to pick one thing that you think you do really well as a coach, what is it? You know, if you, you, you know, what would be what would be the one thing that, that you go, yeah, I, I don't know how good I am at this whole coaching thing, but I know I do this really, really well. Because I can, I can, I, I can think of, a lot of different things about all three of you guys that, that really jump out to me that I admire about the way you guys do your jobs. Uh, but, John, let's start with you. What is what is one thing that, that you think that you do really, really well? I don't know if I do do this really well, but one thing I have tried to learn to do well and one thing I've really tried to focus on... And is, it's all about the effort. ...is building relationships with the players. Um connecting with them and caring about them beyond the just the game of basketball um i've tried to do that i i still have to continue to work on it got a long ways to go with it but uh that's one thing that i just try to try to do well mm-hmm. kelly how about you i would say uh, i agree with john on that um 
making that effort. Uh, also, um, trying to bring energy every day. Uh, I would say that you know you can be an energy giver or an energy taker, and uh, really try to come every day positive and optimistic. Um, even uh, after a loss, as hard as that is, but to come back and say, hey, we're going to learn from that and, and we're going to move on, we're going to put it behind us. But uh, really try to every day come with a purpose and and uh, and, and just show the, the love of the game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How about you, Jerome? I think one thing I've tried to do is just be a better listener. And uh, sometimes it's tough if you have a parent come in and talk to you and you're sitting there and you, you kind of feel like you're maybe being attacked or whatever, but to sit and listen to them and realize, okay, this could be my same kid going through there. Um, I think that's one thing. But also to listen to the players, you know, and, and what these coaches have talked about, you know, to be a better uh, interpersonal person with them and that, and then and to listen to my, my other coaches and just anybody. to That's one thing I've really tried to do a better job of is just being more aware what people rather than just forging ahead with what I previously had in mind of what to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I I always admired your the way you organize your program from top to bottom. You know, I mean you you got a big thing going over there in Gretna. You know, and and your your little kids and your Gretna basketball. Or, you know, I borrowed a lot of the stuff that we did with our feeder team programs from. What you guys, what you did, and you didn't even know I was watching you do that stuff. So I apologize. The restraining order can be filled out when we're all done and everything. You know? But uh, you know, that was one thing I definitely took from you. It was just just how you organized all that stuff. And I get a lot of credit for it, but it was really a lot of people working together. Sure. And uh, that's one of the things that's been. Most well, don't tell fun people that. Just take all the credit. <laughs> then you have to take the blame. Too. <laughs> well, you're going to take the blame anyway. So. But no, that's uh, it's been fun to see that and see so many kids coming in and just. Having him, you know, having a basketball in their hands and participating uh-huh. has been a fun because I think it's really been a good community program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have kind of for a long, long time, and it's getting harder. It, it, you guys are like uh, uh, the the sea level is is starting to dip, and, and it's more land. Or you know, I don't yeah. know. No, that's the reverse. That's not global warming. You know what I mean? But <laughs> Omaha's starting to come to Gretna. For a long time, you guys were yeah. kind of, uh, you know, by yourself on, on your out, out by yourselves there. So. Um, that's that's definitely part of it, John. I you know, I, I could see this coming two or three years ago. This the, the year that you're having right now, what you're taking on. I mean, just I could see the positive energy coming, the way you related to your kids. You can't, you took over kind of a tough situation, and I, I think you've just done a masterful job of just building those kids up with confidence. When those kids have been beaten down pretty hard, wins and losses wise, you know, over the last few years. So you know, that's one thing I've admired from you from afar, and I it couldn't be happier for you for the success that you're having this year and, and all that stuff. But that's one thing I've kind of taken from you and watching you is just Thank you. the way you've, way you've handled your kids, you know. And Kelly, you know, just the positive energy that you've always brought, you know, you, you were always, you know, really, really positive with your players and, and always encouraging. And, you know, there's times where I know I probably got on my kids a little bit too much. I'm, you know, looking down at you and you're, you know, doing this type of stuff. And, you know, even when we'd have, you know, how many closely contested battles that we had, or we had a ton of them, you know, but, uh, you know, you were always really good with, with your kids like that. You know, you're really, really positive with them in that sense. You could tell that your kids really loved you as a coach, you know. Yeah, and, it, and it is fun to, to have those relationships and, and uh, hope to continue to have that um, you know, talking about Gretna and Bennington and their feeder program, the way they have it, and I think South Sioux really had that. Uh, 
and uh, would like to see that at, at Fremont. I know our, our former coach, Tony, why not? I know he's, him and his wife, uh, they're helping out now with uh, second, third, and fourth grade, and they've really got a, a good program going down at the lower levels. Uh, so I think that's going to really show uh, one of my assistant coaches, uh, Daryl Nelson, he's got a seventh grade program. So you're starting to see a little bit of that with the lower levels. And, and I think once you do get that started with those second, third, and fourth graders, again, I can't take any credit at all at Fremont because uh, – haven't had a chance to be part of that yet but yeah. um but just to see them and uh, know that once that does take off like what it has at Gretna and what it has at Bennington and, and what it had at South Sioux it's 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 rewarding to 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 get to be a coach at the top and and have those kids come come through the program yeah yeah I would say the same thing about our youth program I definitely want to give you know the BBA a lot of credit because um a lot more people behind the scenes put in a lot of time and, and effort um and and it builds it's 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 a process and it takes time and and i would completely agree that having great support at the youth programs has definitely contributed to our success yep well we are going to take a quick second here i want to uh recognize our our usual sponsor tonight like i said we're at paisan's pizzeria here out 156th and West Center here in Omaha. Uh, but our usual sponsor is Cosac Chiropractic, which is at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, give them, uh, give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at Cosac Chiropractic. Uh, that number is 402-964-0300. Be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent them there, you know. so And that goes for you guys, too, If you know, if you need a little adjustment you're getting a little stress you know uh need a little neck cracking or back cracking or whatever dr kevin dr heidi they'll take care of you you know just let them know that that you know me and they'll charge you double probably so <laughs> um all of you guys and all and all four of us i guess are, are like-minded in that we really like to get out and pressure the basketball you know, uh, defensively, we want to play a full court game, if if at all possible. And I know you have to adjust to your personnel and what you have to work with. Um, what are what are some ways that you've implemented pressure defense? And I know you know this is the part where the podcast. I, I wish we could like tape it visually as well, so we could draw some stuff up, and maybe that maybe that will expand it that far next time. You know, uh, but uh, you know. How do, you, how do you guys, what are some drills that you guys run with your pressure defensive schemes? Uh, what's your philosophy with it? Um, you know, again, kind of think of perfect world or, you know, when I was, you know, when I had this particular team, this is what I really enjoyed. This this was kind of my uh, best example of doing this, you know. So, Kelly, why don't you go ahead and get us started. Well, again, uh, it's always hard with me on these podcasts because you don't know if you're talking about from before you know where you had been at a, a school for a lot of years uh but probably at south Sioux, it was one of the things where we really did spend uh a lot of time defensively you know and, and um and really tried to break up our practices where we spent about as much time uh haven't quite got to that stage yet um but we do try to focus on some defense and i think a lot of things right now um trying to give the the defense maybe the advantage uh i think as coaches a lot of times we'll try to come up with some gimmick things uh maybe four defensive players against three you know so that they can have success with the trap and have success with the anticipating uh that pass um but we also did it the other way this last week um knowing that you're going to play against a, a 
a Millard South down the stretch or some teams that can really press, uh, put seven defensive players out there against your top five also to try to break that press. Uh, so just some different scenarios like that. Uh, I think uh, any of those drills that we, we try to do some drills where you are beat, but you've got to try to turn and you got to try to sprint because it's going to happen. You're going to, if you're going to play pressure defense, you are going to gamble. You are going to take some chances and you're going to get beat once in a while. And so we always preach the level of the ball. And if you are beat to turn and sprint as fast as you can to try to cut them off. So we'll set up some drills that you are beat, but you've got to try to at least get to the basket before they get there for an uncontested layup. And John, I would say actually the and this was came as a surprise to me, but as we started to to increase our uh, pressure and stuff like that, the biggest thing that we struggled with was a fear of getting beat and and a fear yeah. of like, well, what happens if this happens? Well, like Coach Flynn just said, you know, you're gambling a little bit when yeah. you're bringing pressure. You're um, you're you're putting yourself at a little bit of a disadvantage, but if you do it correctly, if you do it right, and you continue to practice it and rep it, you know, we'll be fine. So we had to preach a lot about get over the fear of failure because once in a while when you're pressuring when you're bringing this you know this fast-paced game it's not going to work uh-huh. um and that's okay and you gotta you gotta trust your teammates uh to help you out um you know we've had great coaches that have that have helped us um kind of show examples of this and 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 teach it and things like that and so i just thought it was interesting that kind of getting over that fear of failure of well what happens if i get beat well that's okay because guess what we're gonna usually win four out of five times and that's those are good odds but that one time yeah you're gonna get beat that that one time time. yeah yeah Yeah, so i thought that was interesting yeah yeah we um we do a drill, and it's it's kind of a fun one because the players all get excited about it. But we'll divide our team up into, you know, if we have 30 players out there, we'll have six teams of five, and you'll have your starter, next group, next group on the way down. Did you, did you run that one when I was out there a week or two ago? I think you might have. The court. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, so your top group will start out, or one, whichever group will start out pressing, and uh, they're pressing. And, and I initially let them call whatever press because we've got, four or five different presses we can do but you find out which one they have the most confidence in and uh, I also have a coach working with them so that way if they do have questions or the coach is working with them there but they'll, they'll so, you, so you assign like you know Hubert you got this yeah, you, you got, got the you got the green team yep. and that type and of Cass thing and has another yeah. group and uh-huh. that and uh, as soon as you steal the ball the next team runs on and so you start off probably going if you had your first five out there well they're going against the second five well if they steal the ball then your third five runs on, then your fourth five runs on, your fifth five runs on. And what you find is they'll get confidence against a freshman group coming out there to gamble a little bit more. And then I think they bring that confidence when they go against the better groups. Uh-huh. If you get scored on, you're off. And the next, and so that whichever team scored on you gets there. And it's really fun when all of a sudden this freshman group scores on the, and they're pressing. Yeah. And they get so excited about that that they're out there and inevitably that top, they'll go against the top group and the top group will miss a basket and they'll get the rebound. Now they've gotten twice and we'll go 10, 15 minutes and it's just fast paced, a lot of yelling, a lot of mm-hmm. you know, excitement on there and uh, just ro- running people in and just you kind of want a craziness because when a press is working, it's crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what you want to do and so that's kind of uh, one that we really try to do and, and then what uh, they were talking about a little bit earlier of giving up a layup, I've talked to them a lot about when South Sioux used to do it. A lot of times they would press, and uh, the game would be almost out of control, and some team would be playing right with them, giving up layups in the first quarter. 
and it'd be 16-15 at the end of the first quarter. Fool's and then goal. it'd be 31-15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you just go, what happened? Well, you were playing at you their speed and never realized that. And yeah. so that's, it's okay. Give up a We don't care. Yeah. You know, just right back at them. You want that speed. And our team this year is about, we're probably a 65-mile-an-hour team. And we're playing against some teams that are 75-mile-an-hour teams. We've got to understand that offensively and defensively. But uh, when you get a team that can play at your tempo, you can be successful. And so yeah. that's one of the things we talk about, too. You're, you're talking about tempo. Did you guys watch the Creighton game at all today on TV? Uh, and they had the all-access all, all or whatever, and they literally had the coaches mic'd up yes. the entire game. It was so awesome. But there was one where Xavier was on a little bit of a run, but the game was starting to go like this, and Xavier got a rebound, and their coach was like, whoa, 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 you know. <laughs> and, and I know, uh, especially, you know, we went through a three- or four-year stretch where we weren't nearly as athletic as you guys were in both regards, and I had to do that. It's like, but, Coach, we got a couple lifts. I don't care. Slow down. Slow down. That's exactly what they want us to do, you know, type of thing. You're talking about creating chaos in practice, and I, I think that's really important. How do you create chaos in practice? Because you need chaos if you're going to play that style, and that's for some people that's hard to let go. How, you know, how do you create that chaos? Well, I, I think going back to what Jerome was talking about there too, I think along with creating the chaos is also uh, if you can get kids that are in good enough shape or if you have enough depth. I think that was always a thing, too, if you had 8, 9, 10 players. And uh, that's the fortunate thing that Lincoln East has right now is they'll, they'll yeah. interchange 10 players. And and uh, we did get quite a few easy layups off of the uh, transition game against them, and that's what helped build that 12, 13-point lead. But uh, I've seen several games, including ours, where in that fourth quarter they come storming back. Well, and they, uh, they, beat, and they, they also did that with uh, Westside. Westside, they were down like 21 or 23, yeah. And I think so much of it is that they they are confident that they are gonna wear you down in that fourth quarter. They they're used to that style and uh, and and unfortunately we came up short that last time. But I think that's another thing that we learned from. And I think we're we're working harder right now, trying to be in in better shape because hopefully you're gonna get to play two and three games down the stretch back to back to back uh, yeah. if you if you fulfill your goals. So you have to be able to play that style and be able to have that seven eight nine players be able uh-huh. to pitch in and help. John, how do you guys create that chaos in practice? Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot of time about games are not games are not slow and non-chaotic. Games are pretty chaotic, you know, yeah. when you're flying around and, and you're getting ready to take a shot. Someone's closing out on you. Someone's, you're going in for a strong layup. Someone's going to try and maybe foul you, you know. So at practice, you have to create that, that same thing. Um, you know, we do shell drill where – uh, it's it's four on four on and sometimes even four on four on four where we can get three groups, um, you know, as many groups as we possibly can. And it's you know you play until someone scores. And so if you get a if you get a stop, you take it out kind of like old school playground rules. Take it out behind the three point line and go. And so it's just it you know you create some of those that chaotic scenario because in a game, unfortunately, you know that's just kind of how it is. It's it's chaotic. It's never controlled. It's never. Um, you know, you might draw something up and have this plan, but it, it kind of goes haywire, so they need to be able to adjust to those situations. Mm-hmm. One of the things we used to do, um, especially with my really athletic teams, um, we would play with no out-of-bounds. We'd have scrimmages sure. where we just have yeah. no out-of-bounds, yeah. you know, and just, you know, <laughs> Kids are checking each other into the wall. Okay, maybe slow down a little bit here. Right. Let's 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 not get anybody hurt, you know. Uh, but uh, 
you know, things like that, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, we did a we did a three on one plus two, and a lot of people do yep. that drill, but we would do it to where um, three on one plus two and stop or score. You could press until you got to half court, yep. but then when it's got got across that, you know. So again, yep. just to to make that to make that chaos, and then you know you could give a point. You know we're playing to whatever thirty five, uh, but you give a point for a tip or something like that. You know to encourage attacking that ball if that's the chaos you so desire and are capable of putting together and that type of thing. So you know I know all four of us are, are right in line there, and I know there's uh, coaches who want to do that but there's also part of it where you've got to be willing to let it go though too right guys i mean you know jerome you're a great example of you you just let your kids go you know and 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 sometimes as coaches we're control freaks you know how hard is that to let go sometimes oh it's difficult i uh actually did something kind of unique to what i've ever done um this year is i actually turned half my practice over to a couple of my younger assistants and uh, we had come back from a game. We'd lost another, uh, I think, our third overtime game or that. And um, coming back, and I kind of got the feeling, it was after Christmas, and I kind of got the feeling, okay, the girls had heard me and Coach Hubert, you know, harp on enough, yell enough, that that they needed something different. And so we're leaving that game, and I told uh, two young assistants, I says, okay, you guys got practice first hour tomorrow. And all of a sudden, they kind of look, really? And I said, yeah. Whatever you want to do, it's yours. I so, just, did they have to change their underwear, or were they okay with it? <laughs> they know? were excited. Okay, and it, it was yeah. it was kind of fun because I thought, okay, and uh, for me it was kind of nice because I just sat back and I kind of watched rather than, and it was just almost like a little bit of a load off your shoulders because you know planning practice when you plan the whole two hours or hour uh-huh. and that every time you're trying to plan a minute. Well, here I had to worry about. I told Mrs. After that, I said I'll take 20 minutes of offense. Coach Hubert will get 20 minutes of defense, which was really hard for him to do it, release it. Let, but let that but go. Uh, they took it, and uh, it was it was fun. And we've done that almost since. I will, usually one day a week, we'll take them back where we do the uh-huh. do the for you know the whole practice, but rest time. So letting go is sometimes you know I, I just found it's easier to do it, especially if you have kids who will bring the energy and do it. And if you have coaches who will bring the energy, in this case, I knew these coaches would bring the energy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that. And so, uh, but, so I haven't had as much trouble with the idea of letting go. But it all, it's kind of like a lot of things you talk about. It depends on the personnel you have out there. Yeah. And I knew we had some kids that would, you know, respond well. It's pretty easy to let go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John, how have you ingrained that into your kids about just attack and attack and attack? And, you know, I watched you play a couple weeks ago and, I mean, they were just, I mean, there's a lot of fouls called because they called it really tight, you know, but, sure. you know, you know, it's just a totally different style than you ran a couple of years ago even, you know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, again, it, the first step, which I didn't expect, but it was good to know, was get over the fear of failure um, and don't worry about, you know, mistakes and, and things like that. Um, and then just continuing to create those fast-paced, drills um you know the the 301 plus two that you talked about we also incorporated the uh the full court pressure up to a certain point you know you can stay on um talking about coach flynn earlier when he was when he was talking about adding players um you know if we're going to see a a really good um press or a really good zone or whatever it might be we're going to give the defense an extra player the the press an extra player just to keep up that tempo um 
we like to give sometimes we put uh you know some of our our younger girls maybe a freshman group uh against the varsity and uh, we give them extra points like you said about yep. a deflection or if you get a stop it's worth double or if you make a three it's worth double mm-hmm. and so they're they're willing to take some more chances when they mm-hmm. know it's a little bit more is on the line and just kind of makes it a little bit more fun for them um and they're they're they want to do those things um and it reduces the the fear of failure a little bit yeah we used to do a one we called it free throw transition and be JV versus the varsity, and, it, you know, however minutes we would put, let's say 15 minutes, it'd be running clock. But uh, JV, you're ahead 20 to nothing. You're ahead 20 to nothing. Uh, but the varsity's going to shoot the free throw uh, every time, you know. Um, and so the varsity kids had to be aggressive because they had to make up a 20-point lead or 22-point lead or whatever number we put up there with a 15-minute running clock. So they had no choice but to... We got to go. We're we're gonna lose if we just sit back and, and allow the the JV kids to to do whatever. And if you've got a pretty decent JV that can go against your varsity, that's a that's a great situation I think to put those kids in. So they have to realize. And Kelly, you were talking earlier about special situations and comeback games. We got to figure out how to come back when we've when we've dug ourselves. I dug the hole, but they're they've inherited the hole that I've dug for them. You know, too. So that was another thing that that we did. That and the kids liked it, and you know. JV would hold on to that lead about once out of every three times, and if the varsity would start dominating, okay, well, we're going to go 15 minutes, but this time you're down 25 or 26 to nothing or whatever, you know, and just kind of try to keep excited, like Ariema does, where she just, you just, okay, well, you beat it at 25, well, let's extend it to 30, or let's extend it, you know, whatever the number may be, you know, that That's type That's a of good thing. lesson for your JV group, too, or whoever, is how do you take care of the ball, and how do you uh, handle those situations with a lead? You know? Yeah. And so it's a good teaching tool on both ends and creating that fast-paced you know practice that you're talking and as as a varsity coach you start to figure out okay this jv kid i can kind of trust because they're going to go head to head against trish martin or taylor mccabe or you know uh maddie meadows or whoever may or miley prine or mamie conroy or whatever it may be and you know oh that kid handled it pretty well you know that's a kid that i can trust down the line here you know jv kids and you guys you know we deal with it um or you guys are dealing with it. You know, you probably have a couple of JV kids who are like, well, how come I'm not getting a little love here at the varsity level? Well, here's the situation. You know, you, you had 15, 20 minutes to go against our top seven or eight kids, and you didn't show a lot of leadership, or or you did show a lot of leadership. You know, it can be a, a win-win situation as well. So just some ideas there. Just got a text from my wife here. Let me turn that down here in a second. Sorry, honey, I still love you. So, um, um one really good set play. One really good set play. And I know, again, it's kind of hard to describe on the medium. You know, next time we'll get the video feed set up and ready to go. Uh, what's what's one... Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll do this. Either a good set play... No. That's what we're going to do, because i got something else I want to talk about. So, <laughs> uh, What's really one really good set play that you, that you got that, that you, you feel like you can really trust? You know, uh, a, you know... Or maybe not your best one, but maybe your your third best one that you feel really comfortable with here. Well, I, I um, when we were talking about um, stealing plays, this is one that we just picked up this year. We call it Diamond. Uh, I like it. It's, it's an out-of-bounds play. Um, I like any type of play that has where it you, you have a, a quick hitter, uh, which just one happens to be um, setting up the elevator, 
where they come through mm-hmm. uh, and you hope that you can maybe run it once uh, and then the next time they're really fighting to stop the elevator uh, with just the double screen at the mm-hmm. free throw line uh, but it's got a secondary one where it clears out for the drive mm-hmm. and uh, I think any of those type where you, you make it look like it's going to be set up for a particular shooter but then you actually have the secondary part of it where it's either the drive to the to the hoop with no um, no backside help or, or, or a lob or, or even a second screen coming off. Uh, I think those are probably the, the best plays if you have enough time for it and if you have kids that are disciplined enough to, to run it all the way through and realize that that first option probably maybe is going to get taken away after they've seen it or now with huddle and, and you've seen it because as soon as we start to run a play like that, I hear the other coach yelling, the elevator, <laughs> elevator. And I like hearing that because we know that it might not go there, but the next option is going to go, Yeah, you hope. Yeah, you know, layer upon layer upon layer after after on you know out of the same look or the same set. You know that's the best stuff that you can run. John, you're you're down. My favorite. Um, I'm not gonna give it away. I'm not gonna tell you um, who gave it to us, but we do call it Wahoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but it is a uh, it's a, again got a lot of layers to it. Um, you know, and it's it's an opportunity for a girl to possibly uh, get a three point shot, and then if they do take that away, um, they they have to, you know, take certain things away. And so if they do take uh, the three point shot away, then it opens up a post um, opportunity. If they take both of those away, um, we have a a backside ball screen option that then is the next layer to it. And so. Um, it doesn't always work, but it's it's nice to have a couple different options. Um, mm-hmm. And like Coach Flynn was just saying, when when they start yelling, you know, opposing coaches start yelling, here comes that you know that three point shooter off of the screen um, and whatnot. Then you know, okay, we have a chance of maybe throwing it into the post. Yeah. Or if they take those those other two options away, you know, you have something on the backside. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of my favorites. Um, and obviously, I've stolen it from a lot smarter coaches than I am. Yeah, and we will be sure to email yeah. you know Brownell Talbot and tell them thank you for you getting that <laughs> yeah, play thank you. yes yeah. yes so drum if you would have asked me two weeks ago I wouldn't have had any idea because we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't execute a play to save our life and, and that affected us in some of those overtime games close games and um, it, our main one is right now kind of a, we tried to get our post rolling to the basket with a backside screen so set up in a one three one set and uh, take the ball to a wing and, and have a guard set a backside screen on the post, have her roll the basket, and then have the point guard set a down screen on that guard that's at the backside and pop up. And so you get an option of a you know three-point shot there uh-huh. and so there. And so we're getting better. We actually, have, in the last couple of weeks, have executed some of our plays and, and been fairly effective. And so that's, again, the chemistry and maturity of the team to kind of trust that those things will work. But yeah, yeah. I think it's funny uh, talking about like the play Wahoo or different names of it. Yeah. Uh, we had one uh, side out and uh, that I really really liked, and and the kids I remember saying, "Well, what are we going to call it?" And uh, I remember saying, uh, "I don't know, but it's a good one." And uh, we called it good one, and, <laughs> and, and, and we still do. We still call it good one. And, yeah. uh, it's one that we've taken on. But oh yeah, yeah the. Uh one of the best plays that I ran, and we ran it a lot my last two or three years, and especially when, when I had the Schlotman girl because she she came around it, and for whatever reason she wasn't a great shooter, but in this set she could, she shot it really well. But we would 
we would go and you and the nice thing about it was you could run it against a man or a zone okay so three out two in and the point guard dribbles to the side and we usually went right as most teams do okay so the ball side wing slides down to the corner we called it corner post so kind of like wahoo we're gonna throw it to the corner and then we're gonna look to throw it to the post here so uh so we dribble entry to the side and the ball side wing would go down to the corner she'd throw it to the corner and then um she would set a down screen for the ball side post okay ball side post pops out onto the wing where the point guard was okay and the corner would swing it back to her and then the point guard would set a second screen and bring that post across there at the block so if you're going against a two three you can screen that middle and bring her across there and if that wasn't there everybody usually was collapsed down and that weak side wing would set a down screen a pin down on the weak side and everybody'd be kind of everything was so overloaded to that side that oftentimes that gal would be kind of caught watching the paint dry a shooter would say and and hoosiers you know <laughs> and we'd and we'd run that skip and and so we had multiple options that we could run against a man or his own as one of the, and and again yeah. you have the state athlete of the year it makes you look pretty smart at the end of it when, 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 well and that's pretty clear know, right now to john and jerome and i because we're getting to see all your hand gestures but the <laughs> listeners out there i don't know if they're gonna be able to follow that play because they can't see your hands moving I, that's, that's the italian in me i start talking with my hands here you know hey hey we're at an italian pizza place so you know hey what's up you know uh, so hey well at least you don't have to see me in my speedo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we probably lost some listeners back from that uh, conversation as well. Yeah. yeah, probably some stomach illness, you know, some some Manchurian flu or something like that just got to pop through. Um, how do you guys? How do you? Okay, so uh, we you know we just got a new sponsor. It was Pepto Bismol after that little stretch there. So um, attacking zones, attacking zones. What do you guys do to to teach to uh, to attack a zone and and uh, you know, just just in general, you know, because I think sometimes we get kind of caught just doing the the Sputnik satellite thing, and then you jack a a twenty three footer. You know, uh, what are some things that you guys do with your kids to really get them to attack that zone, make it shift, that type of that type of stuff? I think the biggest thing we probably all do is really try to attack the gaps, try to make two kids uh, guard the ball, and uh, and try to get somebody open that way. Uh, I know, like, if it's an odd front defense, we always like to go with a two-guard front to, uh, so that you're attacking either side of the uh, odd front. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We like to go short corner a lot. I really yeah. like to get the ball there. I think that's hard to guard. It gives you an overload, usually a diamond overload on that strong side. And uh, with a shooter on the back side, you know, it's tough for pretty much any defense to be able to guard that. And, and you don't see it as much. So if you can get it there effectively, it can be, and you have to have the right player there to yeah. make the right decisions. But I think it can break down its own pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talk about odd front, even front, quite a bit, and have a couple different, you know, places where where girls can be and and, and good gaps to, to attack and things like that. But really, what we've started to do a little bit more is not really have a zone offense necessarily, but you keep your your motion offense, but you tell them here are some places to look and here are some spots to look, um, which is something I've had to learn and, and learn a lot from, you know, other coaches and things like that. So, like, like when you guys are running your five out, instead of looking to cut and go all the way through the rim, cut, maybe pause the high Stop, post yeah, area, yeah, yeah. things like that. Is, that. is that what you're talking Absolutely, about, John? Absolutely, yep. Or, the, like, uh, 
um, coach was talking about with the the short corner gaps and and things like that. Like look for those areas. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, we don't usually set too many screens against that, but we do still try to have some movement, like John said, because sometimes, uh, especially like when you've got like a Taylor McCabe, uh, if a team does play a zone, you know they're going to always know where your shooter's at and and keep uh-huh. pressure on the shooter. And so if you can get them to maybe go from the point over to the wing and just interchange once in a while to, to get a little bit of a different look, uh, that's probably one of the hardest things as a coach, too, um, because some teams do coach kids to leave somebody open, you know, and we all yeah. try to tell kids sometimes that mm-hmm. you're, you're being left open for a reason, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. but you also want them to have the confidence to be able to step up and knock down the shot, but you also don't want them to continue launching if they're, if they're not on. And, yeah. and that's a, a tough thing for a, for a shooter sometimes, uh, that, that mentality. And as a coach, I think, because we do want to try to give that confidence that, hey, if you're open, you know, have the confidence to knock it down, but also that, hey, they're leaving you open, and, and uh, that, that's not a real high percentage shot right there. You know? We also work a lot against the zone of, and practice, especially just getting into the paint. Break it yeah. down. I don't care if it's passing there, if it's penetration and dribble, but you've got to break them down some way. And so, if you can get in the paint and then kick to somebody, that that causes zone defenses problems. And it also prepares you for if you're going against a team that does a dribble drive or does something like that. You're you're learning to defend, keep them out of that paint. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Kelly with 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 Taylor and the the attention that she's gotten. Have you guys seen a lot of junk this year? Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes. We've seen a lot of a lot of junk defenses. Um, now, like the other you're, night, you're probably going to see that at some point with like Miley, I'm sure. Yep, so, yeah. Yep. I mean, just about every every time. I mean, that's the thing too that I've said because she's still averaging 20 points a game. And I've said, you know, we, we were talking about Kobe earlier, and you know, any time a player comes out and uh, you know knows they're getting, I mean, you know that they're getting a junk defense, and they still come out and score 20 points. That's that that really does show that athleticism of and, and the shooting ability of that kid. Um, like the other night, now uh, against Southeast, where Sydney Galladay comes out and hits five three pointers, you know, and scores 24, and and uh, Charlie Earth, uh, she ends up hitting three threes. Uh, we had 15 threes that game. You know, that really does. Uh, that makes oh, you look really yeah, smart. Yeah, that makes you look smart, yeah. and, it, and it really does make the zone offense look better. Um, and it does take some pressure off of a Taylor McCabe uh-huh. when you've got some other kids that can step up and knock down some shots. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, last thing, kind of hitting the dog days a little bit, you know. Um, both of you guys have played in your conference tournaments. You got a little bit of a carrot at the end of the stick this week with your conference tournament coming up, but then you got another – two or three weeks before district play and kind of the, I always thought that last week of January early week of fe- first week of February that was that's kind of hard to, to keep that you know what are some things that you guys are doing to keep your your teams fresh and and, and moving forward here and what adjustments are, are you considering making or you've had made? you know Jerome you already talked about kind of giving totally different responsibilities to some of your assistants and things like that but is there is there any things that you're thinking about doing that you have done in the past that have kind of helped kind of bridge that gap between okay we can't quite you know there's a little light at that end of the tunnel for postseason play but it's still a ways away but we still got to keep grinding we still got to keep getting better on a daily basis you know and but they've heard your voice for the last two and a half months or so you know what do you what do you what do you do in that we had a snow day last week. That helped. 
we actually took Monday off because we, you know, we had, knew we didn't have a game till Friday, and then you had the snow day Wednesday, and so all of a sudden, you know, a couple of days, and we thought, okay, Thursday would be terrible coming back, but they came back and practiced, and it was all of a sudden refreshing for everybody, which again tells you a little bit about sometimes needing rest. Yep. And so that was good, but um, other than that, uh, just understanding the players you got and. And uh, if they've got good leadership, they're staying focused, and they're they're starting to get a little hungry right now, or getting hungrier because uh-huh. they know the end's coming. And and one thing we've been pleased with is I think our team is really hungry. I think uh-huh. they, and, and that was something we kind of lost earlier. I, I think they, you know, understand that, and so that's one thing you hope to have right now is that hunger, whether it's to win your conference tournament or was get to state or it's just win your next game. Uh-huh. You want to have that type of focus. So load management in Gretna is snow days. Snow days, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> John, how about you? Yeah, I would say um, every once in a while a, a surprise day off, or if it does come in the form of a snow day, that's great. Uh, but then other times, even if there's, um, you know, we've had a, an open Saturday where instead of coming in and practicing, it's, hey, let's come in, let's watch our, our freshman game or reserve game and, and and get some shots up or maybe even just watch the game and get out of there you know just kind of a a surprise day off um i know a few years ago we did a situations practice where we just had a bunch of random cards and the girls would draw a card and that's the situation and we would just do that um a couple couple of us have mentioned this late in the year you start to to reduce practice time a little bit um and i think that that helps as well so just a couple different things to to make sure they stay fresh stay engaged Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, exactly what they both said. Um, actually, last week we had planned that uh, a while back because we play so many Friday Saturdays. Yeah, and uh, so you're going six days, and so we had planned on giving off Martin Luther King that Monday. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like Jerome said, it turned out there is also a snow day that week. But I, I really do think uh, we we talked about that on Thursday. Then when we came back, that we really should have some fresh legs, and I think we did show that Friday night. Mm-hmm. And um, we also don't practice very often on the weekends because we usually have games, but we said that that Friday night, hey, we play really well, and we're going to give you the next two days off. Just yeah. kind of joking, but we were. And then uh, this week, I do want to try to uh, – we already talked about it as coaches because we have a uh, 7th and 8th grade home games on uh, Tuesday and Thursday. So one of those two days, we want to try to knock off at 4.30 and uh, see if the girls will go over and support those younger girls and yeah. go watch that game. And with your legs this year – a uh, little bit different because you're playing your full slate, but then you had the Arizona trip and all the travel that, and then you play. You played four and four down there, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so you guys have played what, 18 games already. Yes, something yep. like that. Yeah, yep. Uh, 17, I think. I think we're 13 yeah. and four right now. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that's uh, why I teach history and not it's math. A whole, uh, <laughs> so. it's, yeah, and then, and playing those four games in a row, uh, and and that's the thing too. I think as coaches, we, you know, you you really do want to peak at the right time, but. Uh, that tournament was probably about as tough as 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 it gets actually and uh you know to play those four games four days in a row and then come back and then have the hack which was uh, at least there was a break there but you played a possibly a friday saturday then you had sunday off and play a monday yeah. uh, but uh, some teams played three or four games there as well yeah yeah well guys i had a great time I mean, this was this was uh, something. Like I said, it was kind of a brainchild of a few weeks ago, and uh, you know, kind of started checking out the technology. Can I can I do this, or can we put it together here? And and uh, I, I can't thank you guys enough for coming out here. I know it's a crazy busy time 
for you, but uh, uh, it's just been a, I've had a great time just now kind of, it's so much easier to talk face-to-face than it is, uh, but the, the pen and a napkin budget doesn't always pay for trips to <laughs> some of the people that I've, I've had a chance to talk to, but uh, I, I, you know, uh, I think, I can't thank you guys enough for coming out tonight, can't thank you enough for the friendship over the years and 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 everything that you've done. If if I did this again, would you be interested in doing it again? You know, yeah, and Marty, if you are gonna uh, give a mileage check, just give mine to John because he did <laughs> he did pick me up. Oh, I, I can't get any mileage tonight. But, uh, no, I, I appreciate you know just getting to listen to these two guys. I've got a lot of respect yeah. for them and you as well, Marty. But uh, just jot down some different things that I do kind of wanna that I've learned from tonight as well. So yeah, yeah. it's always great to sit around with coaches and listen to what people do and the thoughts and, and uh, again you guys have been tremendously successful and John I, I knew it was kind of like you guys talked about it was just a matter of time coming that he was going to have that program turned around and not surprised at all I know when I talked to Coach Roggy early in the summer we were talking about conference leaders and I said Bennington will be there I, I saw what he did last year and, and uh, so it's not surprising and, and Kelly's team you know, I'm going to look for them to be definitely running at the state championship this year and that's kind of fun to be around people like that that you can visit with and and uh you learn from them absolutely absolutely well thank you guys again though same thing i mean i mean it when i said i learned a lot from you guys on on how to be successful and hopefully we can keep it going but you guys definitely uh you guys are, are great coaches so thanks for all you've done to help us out well thank you guys you know let let folks know about this you know uh you know We'll, we'll talk as soon as I hit stop on the record here a little bit. Uh, but uh, just can't thank these these uh, these fine gentlemen enough here. Uh, again, we want to thank uh, Matt Verzal uh, here at Paisan's Pizzeria at 156th and West Center. Uh, you know, been a great supporter of a lot of different things here in the area. Uh, New York style uh, thin crust pizza here at Paisan's. We had a little uh, sampling of it here as we were going. Um and uh, full bar and uh, open seven days a week uh, with uh, televisions all over the place. So it's, it's a great place to come out, take the family. Uh, you can buy pizza by the slice during the noon hour, that type of thing. Uh, so a lot of really nice things. So we want to thank uh, Matt Verzal for, for opening his doors to us here tonight as well. So. And John and Jerome, I do owe you guys the $5, though, because I didn't think Marty would be able to eat that whole pizza himself. And, uh, <laughs> so. That's why I'm calling in sick tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so... I'll go model my speedo all day. So, <laughs> oh, uh, and on that note, everybody is officially throwing up as they're listening to this right now. So, uh, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin at gmail dot or no, geez, that's not Twitter, that's email. Uh, Twitter is a pen and a napkin. I know Kelly's on there. Jerome just followed. We're waiting on O'Connor, but that's all right. We won't hold it against We're it. On there. All right. Um, download rate and review the podcast again guys forward it out to anybody that you think might be interested put it on your social media let your let your coaches know you know this is all about helping other coaches get better you know and like kelly uh, usually you know i'm writing stuff down while we're talking on the phone i can't do that here tonight but you can be sure that uh, over the next day or two i'm going to go through and write because there's a lot of good stuff that that i got in my own melon here too so um again thank you to jerome skirtle at gretna john o'connor at bennington kelly flynn at fremont Still the leader in the clubhouse, most appearances ever on a pen and a napkin. Um, Coaches, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.